Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show, and I am Paul Winkler, along with Evan Barnard. And now, Ann Sawaski. Hello. If I had you guys to, I have. I've we, had you guys. We've got the on brain show. trust in the house. Today. We yeah. do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Sheer brilliance is coming your way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's actually. You don't want to change. Do not want to change the channel when yeah. you've got this crew. Yeah, that's actually not even funny. Because you don't that even know. There's like 20 designations between exactly. the three of us. I think at least. You have 16 and we have four, at I least. think. No, I don't think that. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, so, oh, anyway. Uh, so, you guys, Thanksgiving, I mean, you know, it's that time of year. I liked, there's a church I was passing on the way. It's a good time to give thanks and to do giving. I like, they, they broke yes. them apart. I thought it was good. Uh, so I, I like this time of year. It's just, it goes so fast though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. I mean, literally the next few weeks is going to blow right by us and we're not going to even know what hit us. True. Uh, but um, anyway, so, you know, I hope everybody out there had a lovely Thanksgiving that you bought a lot of stuff. I heard people were being a lot more particular about the things they were buying. Um, Black Friday, you got Black Friday. Do you know where that started? No. They, they had something in the, they was in 1869. Oh, really? There was this gold crash of all things. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I didn't and that's, know that. that's the first recorded use of Black Friday. Huh. And then later on, of course, you had, there was something that was kind of funny because they were going to change the name to Big Friday because they thought Black <laughs> Friday was too negative. So they were going to change it to Big Friday. And it had something to do with, there was Army-Navy game, or I don't know, it was, I was reading something. Mm. I read way too much stuff. But, <laughs> <laughs> so I forget how, what I read. But there was this thing, and then, of course, most people think of Black Friday from the perspective of shoppers and people buying and taking companies out of the red into the black. That's what I thought it was for. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I'd always heard but before. But it's, you know, They're you finally get... profitable on the fourth week of November. Yeah, yeah well... What a well, tightrope to be walking. When you finally got your pit and your taxes paid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> is that, is that the way it works? You're, it used to be, remember they used to do that thing where you look at what point in the year you have actually. Tax Freedom Day. Right. right. Yeah, tax Freedom Day. Yeah. yeah. It's like in May, isn't it, or something like that? Well, it used to be. <laughs> well, yeah. is, it, is it even later it than that August now? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's summer now. Yeah. Which it, is really not a good thing. Yeah, Tax but, Freedom Day is yeah. on January 2nd of the following year. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, that's kind of like the Government Freedom Day. We're like three years behind or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, so speaking of happiness and thankfulness, uh, there was an article in Market Watch, Leviticus, you probably like this because you like this kind of stuff on happiness the price tag for happiness millennials have come up with their number yeah <laughs> they have come up with their number it's five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. that's what they need to be happy now this is not <laughs> accumulation this is an annual income are you serious <laughs> i am not joking <laughs> 
They need an annual income of $525,000 to be happy. Wow. It says millennials say they need $525,000 salary to achieve financial happiness. The highest among the generations, according to... I would hope it's the highest among yeah. <laughs> According to Empower survey conducted by the Harris Poll. Uh, so they basically look at the annual salary. Millennials, the generation born roughly between 1981 and 1996. Man, I just missed it with my kids. Just missed it. 1997, first one born. There you go. We are at the tail end of the millennials. Okay. So they far outpaces the other generations with their salary desires. Their yeah. desired salary, I would By hope. A like I said, five. Well, you're close. <laughs> you are really, really close. The de desired salary is more than triple that of Gen Jeez. X, which had the next highest salary needs. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you just, wow. The median weekly earnings for a U.S. worker is 1059 which would be $55,068 for the entire year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So that, that's, that's what the average is. So they only want uh, 10 times the, yeah. the, <laughs> the median salary. That's not that big And they don't want to have children to pay for colleges or anything. Yeah. It's just them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Half mill. Or work hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, wow. it's no, I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm just, that's, that's the cliche. I was going to turn All your right. mic off. I know, I know, I know what you were going to do. <laughs> Be nice. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just having fun. <laughs> I got to watch where I have fun though, don't I? <laughs> okay. Uh, Paul, behave. Uh, the survey also found that 71% of Americans believe that having more money would solve most of their problems, but money's relationship with happiness is a complicated one. According to research over the years, many studies have shown that money and happiness are correlated, but to what extent is still unknown. Now, we've all heard these, yeah. these numbers, right? For example, a prominent 2010 study, uh, Kahneman, you know, the Kahneman yeah. study, yeah. right, that he did, it was in 2010, he was looking at... Uh, the, and he, Angus uh, Deaton, both Nobel Prize winners from Princeton, found that money only and probably glad that they're not from Harvard right now, right? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, he's like Evans, like nah, I don't know. <laughs> but they're uh, but they had uh, the emotional well-being of an income you need is seventy-five thousand a year. Yeah, I remember the seventy-five k number. Yeah. And subsequent research, they've increased to some extent. Uh, and, you know, I've heard 90,000 somewhere in that neighborhood. But anyway, so basically what they're saying here is this is what it takes to be happy. Now, I, I, there was a book, and um, it was What Happy People Know, and I've talked a little bit about this book before. I mean, I get a little more detail than I normally get. One of the things I normally share about this book was they looked at, you know, it was looking at Maslow's hierarchy, and it was talking about how, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, air, food, water, clothing, shelter, and then you get that need met. You can't do anything else until you get that need met for air, you know, shelter, you need food, you know, those types of things. And then you can move into relationships and then you can start to, you know, you get shelter needs met and things like that, but you can move into relationships. Then you can get into love and I need to be loved was the thing that Maslow said. And this guy argued, nah, you need to love because if you need to be loved, you give control over to the person that can give or withhold love from you. 
So that was the idea. So what, what basically he said was that puts you back in the driver's seat. But there are other components that he talked about in there. And this is, you know, people think that money and Solomon, you go back to Ecclesiastes. He's like, you know, I had it. I had all the money you could possibly want. I had a relationship. I had all the servants. I had all the property. I had all the stuff. And he said, I just, just wasn't happy. Had all know? the wives. Yeah. <laughs> Even laughter. I mean, you know, entertainment. And we think if I could just, you know, right. like if I could be around comedians all the time, I'd be happy. You know, yeah, if I watch funny TV shows, I'm depressed. I won't be depressed anymore and I'll be happy. But he said there were there were 12 components. And, you know, one was love. We talked about that. But, you know, optimism and looking forward, having something to look forward to and thinking about what's coming and what am I excited about in the future? I don't know if you guys do that, but I do that all the time. I'm always thinking about, you know, I, I always tell my kids, you know, live in the present, live in the present, mm -hmm. live in the present. But I'm always thinking about, you know, there's something that's going to be coming up that I'm looking forward to. So I always have my eye to that to some extent. Yes. Yeah, it's just hope. It is hope. Hope is just important. Yeah. For... And, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. One of the uh, professors over at Treveca made the comment, says hope is always... It, 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 it always makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's it's always relevant. It's always something that, you yeah. know, that is works in any kind of, you know, when you're dealing with, with people. You know, if you can provide some sense of hope that something good is coming. Mm -hmm. But courage was another thing. And, you know, having courage, because so many times what we do, you know, is we approach life with a sense of, you know, fear of what's going to happen, what's going to go wrong. And courage, I mean, you know, they say that courage is not necessarily, you know, jumping out there and doing something because you're not scared. Right. It's not the absence of fear. It's the ability to act in the presence of fear. Yeah, exactly. And so you have a sense of freedom. I mean, and it's, it's like I have some kind of choice as to what I can do and I can make decisions and I'm not being forced in one direction or another. And you think about, you know, that is a, that's a, that's a big part of it. And being proactive, you know, was another part of it. And security, of course, is, you know, Maslow did have that down, right? Uh, but health was another thing. And I, you know, I remember one of my good friends was, um, for, for a while he was doing this job and he was just kind of like this sideline thing where he was parking cars over at Vanderbilt Hospital. Mm -hmm. And he made a comment. You know, this really, really nice limousine pulled up. And he said, and this person was being brought to the hospital because they were, you know, there was something wrong. And he said, didn't matter how much money that person had. Right. I mean, it didn't really matter. It was, if you don't have your health, you know, it's kind of not a whole lot else makes sense, right? Well, it's like the Steve Jobs quote when all of that stuff went on yes you know, that's right that's right incredibly he had wealthy and he was dealing with cancer and or whatever it was that he had yeah and you know just money doesn't fix everything no yeah no. i remember that yeah i remember he had that quote that was really good and it was uh who's the comedian the guy um kind of uh, jim carrey he says i wish everybody could have the success that i've had mm. he said then they would just recognize that money doesn't do it. Yeah. Oh, that's well, you see that with uh, celebrity after celebrity after celebrity that they have everything, but then they're, they are not in a happy marriage or they have some problem yeah. or they are complaining and not happy generally, or they, you know, like right. some of these um, 
uh, athletes, they have the world right. by the tail, and then they go and do some illegal thing, to, so they right. lose it all. And well, you just go, why, why would you do that? Right. And, right. You know? Yeah, and, and what happens with, with people is that quite often if I have a hard time, if I'm worried about being rejected by other people, if I have problems with relationships with other people, I may move toward money or I may move toward work or I may move to something that won't reject me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about that, I, you know, we're getting that time of year where you're going to see a Christmas carol and you've mm-hmm. got the first ghost that gets, right. yeah. he gets visited by. And what happens, he's brought back to when he had that woman that he was in love with and he chose money over her. Mm-hmm. And you go, why on earth did he make that choice? And, you know, that is one of the reasons that people do that. And they're they're just afraid, and and it's just I mean that's that's part of the courage thing. And just thinking about you know when you're in relationships with people, so often you don't say what you want to say, or you're not you, you don't actually you're not proactive to use the word that's being used in here, mm-hmm. you know, simply because you're afraid of what the reaction is going to be, and that you're just going to be pushed away, mm-hmm. right? You know, to be to be a little philosophical here, but spirituality was the next one. That was the next one that that he that this uh, psych this psychologist that wrote the book what happy people know it was one of the things that he actually pointed out spirituality was another part of happiness altruism we just talked a little bit about being thankful and giving mm-hmm. you know being altruistic and and you think about happiness coming from being other centered you know when right. you're the one giving love yes. you're in the driver's seat yeah. again mm-hmm. you know so if you're just tuning in this whole study about the average, you know, the, the millennials being asked, how much money do you need to be happy? $525,000 per year. <laughs> 10 I mean, times the yeah. median income in yeah. the U.S. 10 times. Yeah. And uh, then perspective was another thing. And it's like when you're going through something, having perspective, you know, so often what we can do is we can look at the negative of things or we can look at how it's going to turn out. Well, what is a possible positive of something that has gone wrong in your life? You know, so often we look at the things with in our life and we look back at, with regret, this thing went bad. I can't believe I made this decision. And anytime you make a decision, that that's, to me, you've got a fork in the road. You got to take it. Anytime you make a decision, you're going to exclude something else you could have done. Right. Right. I think about careers. Oh, my goodness. You got this whole tree of careers you could have taken. Mm-hmm. You know, all these different things. I, I think that is one of the aspects of life that Hollywood and or the TV studios have really done a good job of illustrating, whether it's Hallmark movies, whether it's other movies, you Mm -hmm. know, the the one decision of, well, I, you know, I took this bus or I Mm. didn't take, I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of the magic of the story is, okay, there's a guide and I mean, it's a formula, but, uh, but I think they've done a great job of at least giving you the ability to picture, oh, if I, you know, what if I had done this? Right. And causes your brain to, you know, you sleep, wake up at 3 a.m. Gee, what if I had yeah. done this or that? What if you know? I'd made that decision? Right. How things, yeah. And, or and, or I did make that decision uh-huh. and look at everything that happened because of that one decision. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're positive. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. you can look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But sometimes people, you know, they end up in a place that they don't feel like that they did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. There, there's one actually a psychologist mm-hmm. actually talks about uh, this is a little gruesome, but it, he talks about death and dying. And mm-hmm. and his thing is that so often 
And this guy, I'm, I'm just going to say that he is a non-believer, okay? He's not a Christian. But he thinks that a lot of the people that he deals with, which are in that same boat, are unhappy. And the reason they're unhappy, because they did not live lives that were fulfilled. That they lived the lives with, the, with their songs still in them to some extent. And I don't know, I don't know what he's seen to believe that, but it is an interesting thing to, to look at is, you know, did I come here and do what I was supposed to do? Right. And, and I mean, I think that's a big part of our American dream experience, too, is mm -hmm. we try to help people figure out their purpose so they accomplish oh, that. That is so true. Yeah, well, that, that the, is really good. The uh, great minds. Yeah. So, I, yeah. you know, you, you, in, that's where you were, you, you were thinking, yeah. wasn't it, Evan? Yeah. In, in one of the early I think that is such a good point. In one of the early conversations on that mm -hmm. event, we talk about money can't make you happy. Right. And money exists in language. And in thinking about that article, think about those millennials that are only making 200000 only making 300000 mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're not happy because in their mind, I can't be happy unless I'm making five twenty-five. Right. But for them, it becomes true. They're not happy. Yeah, where are they? Mm -hmm. They're making a quarter from, mil, yeah. Yeah. and they're miserable. Yeah. Well, it, and you've it, got to overcome that. Which, which is yeah, far sure. more than many people make oh, yeah. who are right, happy. Right, right, right. Which is the irony of it, well, isn't it? think about isn't it in it? sports. I mean, you know, people have been watching a lot of sports lately, right? Because mm -hmm. you got all these bowl games coming up and, and things like that. And you're not going to be the best athlete on the field. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I love what uh, Victor Wooten said. He's a bass player. And he was doing this thing. And, and it's phenomenal, unbelievable bass player. And he had this thing, he was up there and he says, you know, people talk about, you know, the bass player, blah, blah, blah. He goes, here's the deal. He says, I am not the best bass player in the world. And, and they're like, well, you know, nobody can be, but you're pretty doggone good is what you know, everybody's thinking, right? And he goes, but I am the best me that I can be. And I just, that is it. I don't get into comparisons with other people. You get into comparison, comparison shopping with other people, mm -hmm. looking at other people compared to you, and it's a losing game. Right, because you're always going to be better enough. than somebody else. Yeah, right. you're always going to be better than that other person at something else. Yeah, and yeah. and if you don't, if your self talk is basically all about where I don't measure up, you know, one person made the point. He says depression. I don't know about the, the truth of this, but I thought it was an interesting. You know, try to make the point. A hundred percent of depression is you know self talk. It's what we say to ourselves and the communication that we have with ourselves, and. Um, you know, so and so often the communication isn't good. You know, so th that's, you know, those are the things, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the causes and you know, spirituality, altruism, perspective, humor was another thing that, that they had mentioned in there. And purpose, this is back to that book that I have talked about so many times before. It's what happy people know. But it's a good, it's a good definition of, of happiness. And I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. And, you know, the idea is that what we often do, and one of the premises in the book was that fear is the source or the cause of unhappiness. And it's typically the fear, you've heard me say this a number of times before if you listen to the show, it's not fear of not having enough and not being enough. And what happens, we have these infective ways that we try to be happy. Number one is we try to buy it, like we see here. Uh, we try to find it through pleasure. Solomon tried to do that, right? You know, that's, that's what the whole idea was and where he kept running into a brick wall, trying to resolve the past. 
you know, and talking about it and trying to fixate on how things didn't go the way they were supposed to go. And I'm often going, you know what, things went exactly the way they were supposed to go. You know, you run into brick walls because that's how you learn. You know, if, if I want to harden steel to use it for making a hammer, I heat it, I, key, I cool it, I heat it, I cool it, I, br I bring it through extremes. If I want to try to strengthen a person, I, you know, put them through extremes. Heavy intensity sets with the barbells, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how you do it. I have a friend who says she, her slogan is, um, rejection is God's protection. Yeah. And it can be sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a really good point. It's, you know, maybe something doesn't come through. And I've, I've had this conversation with a few family members recently. You know, this may not happen for you, but think of what might happen if you force it. Here are the negative things that could happen on this decision you're thinking about making, the thing that you want so badly. It's like Garth Brooks with his, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's talking about that. I would end up with this girl and I, my goodness, now look at what, what would have happened if that happened, right? <laughs> yeah, right? That's true, yeah. And what we try to do is we try to go through our life working on our weaknesses instead of looking at our strengths and going with those. Yes. Yeah. Very yes, true. Totally. Very true. It's a big deal. So anyway, a little philosophy on the investor coaching show. It is about money. I mean, the whole article is about money. I, you know, I'll steer it this way once in a while, guys. You just know I'm going to do it. You're listening to the investor coaching show, Paul Winkler and Swaski, Evan Barner. Be right back after this. Thanks for tuning in to the investor coaching podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything that we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing, and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. How old is too old, guys? I don't know. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. You dread living too long, it may be time to rethink your attitude. Recent advances in longevity research have led many retirees to embrace live to 100, that rallying cry. Their goal is to stay alive for a full century. You know what? You think about that. What would you have seen? Now, we've done workshops on this because we try to give a historical perspective on stock markets. Mm-hmm. You know, because people see ups and downs in the markets and then they, oh my goodness, the stock market is so volatile that I compare it. And I'm like, no, it's always been volatile. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not new. Uh, you know, it's always been pretty volatile. Uh, but if you think back, you know, last, if you were a hundred years old, you would have been around when Lindbergh, and you would have only been like three, I think. <laughs> you yeah. would have been, when Lindbergh, you know, transatlantic yeah, so Everything since flight. 1923, right? So. Yeah, right. 1929 yeah. crash. You've been six yes. years old, right? Would have lived through the de depression. The, the depression. Yeah, you would have seen, you know, the mm -hmm. news on Pearl Harbor. You'd probably probably been old fought in the war of World War Two. 
Uh, let's see, 23. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, yep, 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 you're right. You're right. Yep. You're right. That's it. That's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then, you know, you would have had, you've seen the end of the, I, you know, I think about the end of the war. I wanted to be in one of those parades. <laughs> You know, you think about that. You what wanted was to that? kiss the girl on the street in New York. I, <laughs> Evan. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> Evan. <laughs> but, you know, so just the, the happiness, how excited yeah. people were. I have actually in one of my rooms in my house, I have the newspaper oh, uh -huh. from the war, uh -huh. you know, the ending of the war, World War II, because I, I just, I'm fascinated with that. Well, my parents I've frame were, that thing. I've got to frame it before it gets of too Of that era. And yeah. they would talk about that. And my mother worked in mm. uh, a plant that made planes. Mm. You know, they work 24 hours a day. You know, that's happening right now in Ukraine. They have these, these women are going and taking their husband's jobs yeah. right now. And that's, uh, yeah. that's happening. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that the other day. It's just, wow, you know, that's happening overseas right now. They're filling in for their husbands while yeah. their husbands are fighting. Well, yeah. Yeah, they're not taking their jobs. Yeah, well, to, okay. I have to clarify that. I guess we have to see. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it, just, it depends how this all comes. Yeah, I mean, two, you know, two with, of my aunts built planes as yeah, well. Yeah, and a, with, a number uh, of my uncles were uh, under Patton and, you yeah, know, uh, flew in Normandy. And, 1950s drive-ins, guys. Yeah. There you go. Nine, yeah. doesn't, well, that, no, that, that just seems like fun. We do yeah. tend to focus on the wars or things, but, you know, to me, uh, and I had studied this some uh back when I was in school, but mm -hmm. air conditioning was one of the biggest cultural mm. changes oh, yeah. to the society when that finally became a thing, mm. indoor air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, it was interesting because I was actually reading through the various thing, innovations, you know, yeah. the, the blender, I mean. Launched Jimmy Buffett's career, I mean, hey. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Nibbling on sponge cake, right? Um, you know, Woodstock, there you go. <laughs> but uh, here's the dark truth about longevity. Some retirees dread the thought of living too long. Maybe they're worried that they're going to outlive their savings. And we often talk about how to, you know, the the RMD rules. If you invest in what we've been talking about for years on this show, following academic research and the RMD rules, I have a whole video on it um, on the website. But, uh, yeah, that helps that. But if they say, stay relatively healthy, attending an, an ever-increasing number of funerals for family and, and uh, friends takes a toll. And they wake up every morning amid grief and loneliness. And that's one of the things, one of the negatives that they talk about. And it's pretty negative. You know, the first part of the article is very negative. But they were talking about, I thought it was interesting that, you know, this one person goes, no, you know what? There's no reason for me not to live longer than my spouse. There, I have, in, in having other connections and having a support system is important to, for people. But, you know, I think it's interesting to look at the statistics because I was surprised. It says 70% of respondents said that their health was good or excellent at age 85. And you think, well, that seems pretty negative, you know, the first part of it, you look at that and go, that's a fairly high percentage of people at age 85 that are boasting of decent health. Yeah. I was surprised yeah. about that. And their past life expectancy, frankly, in most cases. Yeah. yeah. And that, that kind of leads to that, you know, the data that the longer you live, the longer you'll live. Well, and, you know, and that, but they also had, they, they did the statistic that one in four suffer from, and I'm going, wait, three in four don't suffer right, from right. is the way I want to, <laughs> I want to reword this, this sentence. 
three out of four, uh, 75% of people don't suffer from dementia, loneliness, or another debilitating condition. And to me that you look at that and go, wow, you know what? Some people come in my office, I'll say, hey, you know what? Give me a life expectancy because we're trying to do planning for social security purposes. And usually the number that they give me is a lot shorter and it's probably going to be. Right. Yes, I've so, noticed that. Have you? Yeah. So I usually yeah. add like five years yeah. to it and go, you know, <laughs> we're just adding five years. Yeah. So question, humor me. So question. Yeah. yeah. This is for the older generation now that's living. Yes. I think it's going to change when I get older. Do I think, do I think it's going to change? Because then we talk about loneliness last show. Last uh, do I, what the, part of it is going to change? Because life my, expectancy keeps is elongating due to medical science. Uh, yeah. You know, you have... Meaning like the loneliness stuff. Oh, like especially with my generation, we're more, yeah, it's, we do it's a good question more because it's solo. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good family. point, Leviticus. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of times if you don't learn how to do relationships, mm -hmm. and one of the things that they have gotten into, I think, is you know where, well, maybe I think they're starting to come full circle around that to some extent. I'm starting to start starting to see more people going, hey, you know what? I can't just sit here and hide behind my phone. I think people are going to get sick of phones. I, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm seems, close, so I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think at some point people are going to go, wait, 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 wait. This was supposed to make me happy. You know, it takes time, but I think people finally get to the point where they realize, you know, this isn't giving me what I thought it was going to give me. And if they could just go and stick those stupid things and just stick them off someplace else and get away from them, I think they'd be... You know what? what go play outside. Go play outside like your mom told <laughs> touch you. Touch grass. That's right. Yeah. Or touch this, grass with your, with your toes right now. It's a little cold out right now. But. really cool bar uh -huh. up in Wisconsin that yeah. they had a mural on the wall of the regulars back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And you, you kind of think of Cheers or something. Yeah, sure, sure. Everybody knows your name. Right. Well, what ended up happening was everyone had their phones, uh -huh. so nobody talked to each other anymore. So they made a rule. When you came in there, you had to put your phone in a, in a box. Yes. Or you like were school. not allowed in there. You got your little cubby hole. Yeah. There's where your and, phone goes. And they yes. were, and uh -huh. they they found it totally changed the atmosphere. Well, and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal months ago, and it was yeah. talking about they took the phones away from kids, and they didn't mind. It was in some high end prep school or something, wasn't it? I I, I don't remember like exactly where it was. I don't remember where yeah. it was, but they yeah. took the phones away from the kids and they didn't buck against it. They were okay with it. They were actually happier. Well, I, I believe they are, but but boy, they didn't like this at oh, first. Oh, no, 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 but no. But then they all realized. Then they had to was, talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. They had to get and social skills. And it was skills. so healthy and it was a better thing. I think you can, yeah, I, I think that would be a really good thing. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more competent investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. 
Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.